The reason that cliches become cliches is that they are the hammers and screwdrivers in the toolbox of communication. Terry Pratchett. Welcome back to the Turn Right Podcast. This is episode 56. Today, I want to talk about tropes. First, I'm going to define what exactly is a trope, and then I'm going to go over seven tropes that I actually really like and enjoy seeing in fiction, and then I'm going to go over five tropes I despise. I thought this would be a fun little episode. I think in the writing community, there's always a lot of talk about tropes and, you know, what you want to avoid in a story, like, for example, waking up in a dream. But I think some tropes are tropes for a reason. They've been around forever. People keep replicating them. They can be replicated in different ways. And they're tropes because they're successful and they hook the reader. So first off, what is a trope? Literaryterms.net says the word trope can refer to any type of figure of speech, theme, image, character, or plot element that is used many times. Any kind of literary device or any specific example can be a trope. I thought this was interesting because prior to really reading this article, I had thought a trope was more of a theme rather than a character that could be recurring or even an image. But the more that I think about it, I totally get it. Like, the girl next door is definitely a trope. So let's get into some tropes that I like. The first trope, I absolutely love this. In fact, when I see this in a story, I'm actually very inclined to read it. And I know some people are going to give me shade for saying this, but I love a good love triangle. I just do. I think it adds so much complexity to your story. It raises the stakes with all the characters intertwined like that, you really care about them. And especially if the author lets you into each person's perspective, I find them really effective. Some very famous love triangles in fiction are, of course, in the Twilight series between Edward, Bella, and Jacob. And I know a lot of people out there are groaning, but my teenage self was obsessed with the series. And I just loved it. I thought, you know, it was, oh my gosh, it was so intense whenever Edward left and Bella went with Jacob and her friendship with Jacob and how, you know, sad it was whenever Jacob couldn't accept that and she went back with Edward and, you know, just so much drama. And um, I really think that love triangles work because so many people execute them, but they're all executed slightly differently. Like you have Twilight where it's a human with a werewolf with a vampire. Like, okay. And then you go over to the Hunger Games and you have, you know, regular people in this love triangle, but yet we're still in this dystopian world. You have Katniss and Gale, they're kind of old friends They've come from the same area. They know each other really well. They kind of have feelings for each other, but they kind of don't. And then PETA comes into the picture. PETA and Katniss are enemies, but then they team up and fall in love. So I think that story brought a completely different dynamic to a love triangle than Twilight did, as does something borrowed by Emily Giffen, some chiclet. Love triangles and chiclet look totally different. You have all three human people living in New York City, and really the love at first is between Darcy and Dex, but Rachel, the main character, knew Dex forever. She knew him first, and they were always friends, and Rachel never saw herself 
having feelings for Dex, but they were definitely underneath the surface. And so she comes to realize those and her and Dex hook up one night and just things get really, really steamy and intense. So I think love triangles work because they are very intense because it deals with very close relationships between characters and there will always be more intensity with that kind of a relationship rather than like a distant uh, stranger you stumble across at the store or like someone you knew in a class in college once. Um, so the stakes are going to naturally be high with love triangles, which I think is why they work. And they can also be executed very differently from story to story and genre to genre. So in my opinion, they don't get too tropey because you can execute them in different ways. Number two, I really like the trope of a smart best friend who is overlooked for her hot female best friend. And I think Something Borrowed is also a good example of this. Rachel is really smart. She's a lawyer at Big Law in New York City. And Darcy is just this lucky, beautiful girl that, you know, everything sort of gets handed to her. And we see how Rachel is sort of overlooked by society. She overlooks herself, all because of her looks. And Rachel isn't even bad looking. She's just kind of like average. And I like this trope because I think it's relatable. Even if it's not relatable in the sense of physical looks, I think most people see themselves as being kind of average, run-of-the-mill people. And it's very easy to identify yourself in this kind of trope. You know, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. You know, maybe your strength is being really smart, or maybe it is being really beautiful, or maybe it's being really good at sports, or whatever it is, you know, you are going to have that strength, but you also have weaknesses. And um, I think generally when we think of ourselves, we don't think of our strengths, we think of our weaknesses, which is sad. But I think this trope is very compelling because I think that a lot of people relate to it. And probably this from a female's perspective, the smart best friend who's overlooked for her hot best friend is especially relatable to females. Number three, I like when the wallflower is forced to rise to fame. And I like it because the wallflower generally doesn't want fame. They prefer to be the observer. They prefer to be in the background. They're not conceited. They're humble. And this is why this trope also works because you really don't want a story where this super confident person is forced to take on an obstacle and like save the world. It's not going to be very compelling because the person was going to always have the confidence inside of him. So what kind of change could really happen over the course of the story? So this trope is really necessary to fiction. And I think, you know, two examples of this in really popular fiction are Harry Potter and the Harry Potter series. Harry Potter, you know, he didn't want to be the chosen one. He preferred to just be in the background, just playing Quidditch, hanging out with his friends. He really did not want to fight Lord Voldemort and save the Wizarding World, yet he was forced into this role. Same thing with Katniss in The Hunger Games. She didn't really want to be this big star of The Hunger Games and cause an insurrection in the capital. She just wanted to join the games to save her sister. Very noble reason. And this makes Katniss and Harry Potter both very likable characters. Number four. I also like whenever a girl is being perceived as weak, but she has super strengths. I love this like girl boss theme that's been reoccurring, you know, recently over the last several years in fiction. I think this has become really popular as we've thought about 
the way women and men are viewed in society and the way they actually are a little bit differently. And I think Tris in Divergent is a really good example of this. You know, Tris, she's really fearless. She's really strong. She wants to go after things head on. And I love seeing that in that dystopia. I also love seeing it in The Hunger Games and that dystopia with Katniss being really strong, being an archer, and really being able to fend for herself. Number five, the main character is a writer of some sort. I know this can be a controversial opinion. I've seen a lot of blogs where it's like, you know, don't do this because your readers will see you through the character or whatever. I think it works because so many people that are readers are also writers. And, you know, the saying goes, you love to see yourself in a story and things that you can relate to. So I think this is a good trope because, um, you know, the general population of people that read stories are writers. So it works. Um, and people we meet on vacation... You have the main character, Poppy. She's this blogger and she blogs about vacation spots. But also that's a really different type of writer than you see in Low Fire Burning with Theo. He writes these mystery novels and that is utilized to sort of create this illusion throughout the story and it really enhances the plot. So that's really interesting how Paula Hawkins utilizes that as a literary device throughout that story. So Kind of similarly to the love triangle, I think you can execute the writer as, um, you know, different types of writers and for different purposes. You know, is it because the main character is trying to discover something profound about his or her life or the world around him and is writing a good way to explain that to your readers? Or is it being a writer is an, is an inherent personality trait of the main character where the main character is maybe very introverted and needs to overcome that, or they're very artistic and creative and misunderstood by society, and you're showing that through the character being a writer. Whatever it is, I think that can add a lot to your story and it can be done differently, where it's, once again, not so quote-unquote tropey. And number seven, I really like this idea of old lovers like meeting up later in life whether it's like middle-aged or like even older than that and then they rediscover their burning connection and then we kind of use some flashback and talk about how um these people were you know kind of in their golden years i love that and i can't really think of a specific example from either film or literature where i've seen that recently but i know i have and I always think that's just like a good one because it's very compelling. I think, again, you can execute this dif in different ways. Moving on to tropes I despise. Um, you know, I don't want this to get too controversial, but everyone just has their own opinions about stories and we're all entitled to our own opinions. But these are mine of things I just really don't like. And number one is enemies to lovers. I just don't think that's realistic. I don't like it when I saw it in The Hunger Games, Peta and Katniss, enemies to lovers. I wanted Katniss to be with Gale. I did not think it was realistic that she fell in love with Peta like that. It feels just fake and forced to me. That rarely ever happens in real life. I will say that an example of where I thought this was done well in was Me Before You by Joe jo Moyes. Um, and I just love that book. It's a tearjerker. It's an amazing, amazing book. Um, and I thought that was really authentic where Will was really reluctant to, um, the main character, I can't remember her name now, um, 
he was reluctant to let her in and take care of him. And through spending all this time together, they bonded, but it was very realistic and had a lot of ups and downs. And so um, they did go from enemies to lovers. And I liked that trope there, but most of the time I just really don't like it because it feels so forced to me and I, I really can't connect with it. Number two, I'm so sick of the love interest going missing. I think that's just not original and everyone is instantly suspicious of the spouse doing it. Um, I don't care, you know, how well it's executed. You're still going to be suspicious of the spouse. Um, and it just really doesn't feel fresh to me because I think I've seen it so many times. Um, the last thing he told me by Laura Dave I really liked that book. I thought it had a really nice voice. I did like the characters, but the plot was a little stale and predictable. And I think it was because of the main character's husband was going missing and there were a lot of questions about him. And that just seemed to me like a very generic plot. Number three, small town romance. I'm just not into it. Nicholas Sparks uses this trope a lot in many of his books. And and once again, I do like Nicholas Sparks' books, especially The Notebook, The Lucky One. Those are really good stories. However, I think it can be challenging to sustain interest on solely the premise of a small town romance, which I think is how a lot of romance novels tackle it. It's really about the town and the people in it and this love interest between these two people. And to me, it's just like, once again, I've seen this a lot, and in general, I prefer romance as a subplot, not reading it as a genre as a whole. So, um, you know, I think I'm probably a little biased in that way as well. And then number four, I do not like a person living in a normal world who has magical powers. I just don't like mixing fantasy and reality. I would rather it be a separate fantasy world. Um, you know, and even like in Harry Potter, like they do mention muggles, but the wizarding world is definitely separate from um, Harry's world growing up with the Dursleys. I don't think I would like the story as much as if Harry was living in London and the story was set in London the whole time and you know, they didn't go off to Hogwarts and Harry was just amongst people with his magical powers. To me, again, it just feels fake and kind of takes away some of the authenticity of the story. And then number five, I really don't like this one. Um, an introvert becomes popular or accepted in high school after doing something extroverted. I don't like this trope because I think it teaches people that it's bad to be an introvert and that it's something you can change, which neither of those things are true. As an introvert myself, I'm just like, I don't like it. You know, why do you have to go out and like give a huge speech in front of a bunch of people to prove your worth? I don't know. I don't get it. And I think there's other ways that you can discover your worth from within that are more organic to introverts. So that's my thoughts on tropes, tropes I love, tropes I despise. Let me know what you thought of this episode by sounding off in the comment section. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, TurnRightPod. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.